Um, well, listen, let me introduce myself. I'm Scott Ulmer. I uh, run Ron's Real Estate Division, and uh, I've got a handful of lead sheets here that uh, I'm looking forward to going over. And so um, uh, I guess we can go ahead and, and uh, jump right in. I know that the Gold Club members have obviously access and ability to chime in, and the non-Gold Club members are really here to listen. Uh, and if there are additional questions after the fact, I would encourage you to uh, get in touch with somebody from the office. Uh, Dolores uh, usually handles VIP phone calls, and if you have an interest in uh, participating in these calls going forward, then uh, you would need to sign up for, uh, for the Gold Club. And so um, uh, what I'd like to do is just kind of jump right in here and uh, kind of discuss some of these leads. I've got uh, a couple leads here from Dave Head. Uh, do we have Dave Head on the phone? Um, if you're able to do that. Operator, are you able to uh, find out if Dave is on the phone? He did not enter into the queue. Okay. Well, let's go to the next one here. How about um, uh, Mr. Alvin, Dave Alvin, are you there from St. Paul, Minnesota? Operator, I assume you're looking for Dave Alvin? Okay. Well, if we don't have a Dave Alvin here, then uh, I've got a handful of leads from each of these folks. Why don't we do this? Why don't we, um, uh, if Dave Head or Dave Alvin are able to get on the call or on the call, I've got their lead sheets in front of me. If there were additional ones that were sent in, uh, I don't have them in front of me, but I'm happy to answer some questions and review some of them uh, kind of live over the call if we can do that. Why don't we go ahead and open it up for some questions until we find some of the guys that had sent the lead sheets in. Press star zero. Does that open everybody up in here? Zero is to get into the queue. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a question at this time, please press star zero. We do have someone in the queue. We have Robert. Robert, please go ahead. Hi, Robert. Scott, how are you? Good, Scott. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thank you. Where are you from? I'm in Texas, Scott. And uh, what I did was uh, I ratted out a, a vacant house here over this past week. Got a hold of the owner, uh, 125R, uh, she owes 108. Her payments are 975 a month out the door. Okay. The house, you know, it's not bad. It could use a few thousand dollars, maybe some exterior paint, that sort of thing. The issue I'm having with her, Scott, is she only wants to go between 12 and 18 months on the uh, subject two. How do you feel about a short term like that? Well, uh, number one, I would tell you that, uh, and of course, being Texas, you've got to uh, do subject to or some type of owner finance. Uh, you know, I would go ahead and agree to it. I would uh, uh, try to obviously find a buyer and see what their time frame is for, for financing out and ultimately uh, getting you cashed out. Uh, number one, I don't see a lot of equity in the deal. Um, um, however, there's probably enough to justify it. Let me ask you this. What kind of cash do you think you would bring in on a monthly basis uh, um, in some sort of a lease or uh, owner finance scenario. Kind of well, if I was to go ahead and rent the house, it would bring about twelve ninety five a month, and like I say, her payments out the door are nine seventy five. Okay, so you've got a little cash flow. Uh, you know, I would. Uh, does she have a reason as to why she's kind of stuck at the twelve to eighteen months? Wants to get the loan out of her name and, and move out with her life. Well, that was her thing. She said, you know, I had asked her originally for three to five years, and uh, she said, no, I'd be kind of uncomfortable with that. I might want to go out and get another mortgage, but. Uh, She's obviously in trouble with this house, and she's not been all totally up front with me. I know she's just kind of hiding the fact that she's, she's hurting financially. But uh, my biggest concern was she only wanted to go 12 to 18 months, and I just I was a little uncomfortable with that myself because, uh, you know, what do I do if my buyer doesn't cash out 12 to 18 months? 
Sure, sure. Well, and of course, obviously, you want to be transparent up front with her, and, and that'd be my exact concern as well. You know, I would see if maybe you could get a um, uh, see the max you can get, and then I would probably see if there wouldn't be some sort of an extension that you could uh, be granted should there be some financing issues. So. I tell her, look, I, I can do the deal. Um, I can move forward as we've discussed. I'll be responsible for 100% of the payment, repairs, taxes, insurance, et cetera. Um, I'm comfortable with the 24-month window. However, uh, in the off chance that there's an issue with financing with my end user, uh, what I'd like to do is ask if I can get a uh, maybe two 12-month extensions that would give me uh, the potential, should they run into some snags, to extend this without you know, putting you in a compromising position and certainly myself and my buyer. Uh, I'll do my best to get the, the transaction finalized and entirely cashed out within the 24-month window as we agree, uh, but I don't want to make a promise I can't keep, and uh, if you would grant me these uh, extensions uh, under the condition simply that if the buyer that I find that isn't able to finance for whatever reason, credit markets are still very shaky, you know, that I would want to get that, that additional time, and uh, I would commit that after uh, two 12-month extensions or one 12-month extension or whatever you can carve out at the end of the day that, um, you know, you'd certainly do your best to finance out uh, and get her paid off. You know, I'm not sure what other guarantees you can make her. Uh, it's just a challenging market right now. She's obviously in a predicament and a seemingly precarious situation, and um, this is a uh, an opportunity to not only sell the home to, uh, uh, you know, give away all the responsibility, but... You know, she really doesn't stand to gain anything at the time of financing, just get the loan out of her name. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, I don't have uh, much better of a solution. You've you got to get as much time as you can on the initial agreement. I would ask for one extension uh, if necessary, you know, with the full understanding that your intent is to get it cashed out in the time frame that you agreed to. But, obviously, you don't want to make her a promise that you can't keep, which is why you're asking for the additional time. Um, look, we do subject twos, obviously, and, and it's not uncommon for uh, the, the seller to ask for some sort of window of time uh, to finance out in, but um, I'm always hesitant if I can't get less than two or three, um, I really got to look closely at it. And, um, you know, it's got some cash flow potential, does have a small bit of equity. Hopefully that will uh, be able to be increased over the, the uh, you know, short period of time that you're with her. But, um, you know, I would still want you to do the deal. Uh, I just would see if you can't get a little bit more time from her and uh, hopefully she'll play ball and, and uh, grant you at least one extension. That sounds good. What kind of compensation, if any, should I offer her for that extension? Say, you know, I give you $500 or $1,000 and buy this extension from you if it's necessary. How often do we do something like that? Well, it's a great question, and it's actually a, a great su uh, suggestion. Uh, I wouldn't offer anything uh, unless it comes up, and it may be a kicker that will push her over the top, but I think initially I would just tell her, look, you know, uh, this is how I uh, uh, do my business. This is what I specialize in, and, and ultimately my uh, intent here is to find a, a buyer who may not be able to qualify for traditional bank financing today. My intent would be to put them in the home, work with them to get their credit cleaned up so their mortgage ready within the time frame that we've agreed to. However, there's a variable there because we just don't know that the credit markets are going to continue to improve. Interest rates are gradually rising. Uh, I just don't have a crystal ball that in 12 to 18 months that my buyer will be able to finance out. Uh, I don't want to make you a promise I can't keep. So I'd like to ask for, in fact, I love the word standard. I, I use that quite a bit. It's standard when we buy homes uh, this, in this fashion that we ask for a minimum of three years with a two-year extension, which would give us a total of five if necessary. I understand what your concerns are and that you'd ultimately like this to be out of your name and uh, hopefully qualify for another mortgage at some time down the road. 
However, um, I can't promise you that uh, or guarantee you that it's going to happen in the 12 to 18 months. Would you consider giving me three years with a one-year extension only if my buyer can't finance? Uh, if she balks at that, then I would probably consider offering maybe $500 for some sort of extension. But I think uh, my approach would be to try to get it up front if you can. You tell her that this is how it's standard for us to buy. It's standard for us to ask for this time frame. And, you know, unfortunately that if she needs to block you in or box you into that short time frame, that it may negate your ability to move forward with it. Um, see if right. that works first, and then you can offer maybe, you know, if you, if you can carve out at least two to three years on the upfront term, maybe you could offer an additional $500, you know, if the extension were necessary. Okay. That sounds good, Scott. That's a lot of help. I'm going to uh, take some notes here and uh, probably pursue it that way. All right. Good luck to you. Thanks, you. Appreciate your time. Sure, sure thing. Sure thing. All right. Next question. Our next question comes from Mike. Mike, please go ahead. Hi, Mike. Yeah, this is Mike here. I didn't have a question. I'm trying to mute out of here. I was hitting star six, but it wouldn't let me go out of there. I was trying to I apologize. No problem, no problem. Anything I can answer or uh, anything we can discuss? No, I'm just listening in. I'll help you out if uh, when you're coming across something, uh, I'll jump in and help you. Okay, all right. Well, thanks for being on the line. All right, next question. Our next call comes from Arthur. Arthur, please go ahead. Hi, Arthur. How are you doing? Arthur, you there? Do we have an Arthur on the phone? Well, I'm not sure Arthur's there, or if he's there, I can't hear him. Why don't we go to the next one, and if Arthur wants to come back around, we can catch him on the way back. Okay. Right now we have people entering the queue for questions, so let me take a moment to pick those up. All right. How are we doing on the next question, operator? Guys, I've got some deal examples I'd like to go through, and I've got a couple of additional items I'd like to share, but um, I certainly want to be available to answer some questions if I can. Operator, are you looking for some people in there? Operator, are you there? Yes. Okay. Our next caller is Wayne. Wayne, please go ahead. Hey, Scott. Hello. Hi, how are yes, you? Good. Uh, question for you. I'm out of Houston, Texas. Uh, okay. I've, been do, I've done some deals with uh, through my IRA with a shared appreciation mortgage. So I get, uh, you know, I'm the lender on the deal, but I get half rents and half appreciation. And okay. I'd like to start structuring those deals where I could get, you know, half rent and half appreciation, but instead of using a shared appreciation mortgage, I'd like to use an option to capture the shared appreciation. Do you have any examples of, of how an option would be written for that situation? Hmm. How an option would be written for the shared mortgage portion of the investment? Well, no, 
I want to not do shared mortgages anymore. I just would rather, you know, maybe make a, a loan on the property, but also part of the maybe the rehab cost, whatever, would be a, a purchase of would be paid as a purchase of an option to buy it at below market, so that uh, when he goes to sell the property, he'd have to buy my option back at an agreed upon appreciation rate. Okay. And your question is how to write that. Right. Yeah, and I got to be very I'm sorry, go ahead. And, and, you know, if it needs to be recorded, how do you record it, all that stuff. Sure, sure. I'm going to be very candid with you. That's not a question I think I'm capable of answering. I've never dealt with that scenario. Um, we do use uh, a fair amount of IRA capital for uh, our acquisitions, but as far as uh, doing it where it's a, uh, uh, kind of split into different segments like that, I'm just not, uh, I think I know the answer, but I don't want to give you bad advice, and, and unfortunately I'm going to have to uh, have to pass on that one. I'll tell you what, uh, do me a favor, jot it in an email, send it into the office, make sure that it gets to the powers that be, and, and uh, we can get you an answer on that, but I just don't feel comfortable giving you an answer when I'm not 100% sure. Okay, I'll do that. Yeah, send it to us and tell her that I had asked you to get it to her, and, and um, she'll get it up to me, I'll, I'll discuss it with Ron, and... Um, you know, Ron always seems to have the answers. But that's just not something that I'm sure of, so I apologize okay. for that. You said send it to Dolores? Yes, sir. Send it to Dolores. Okay. Tell Scott asked you to send it to her, and, and uh, okay. I'll make sure that we get you an answer back right away. Okay. Thank you. All right. No problem. Next question. Our next question comes from Ron. Ron, please go ahead. Okay. Hi, Ron. Hey, Scott. It's Ron. Hey, Scott. How are you? It's Ron Carruthers out in California. Hey, good. How are you doing? Really good, man. Hey, I apologize. I didn't get um, my lead sheets in uh, before the 1 o'clock California cutoff. Do you mind if I ask a couple questions on them? I have them right in front of me. I can give you all the details you'll need. Sure. Go right ahead. Okay. Both have leases. Uh, both have mortgages on them. Um, and the one that's got me a little stumped is both have uh, the two that I'm asking about in particular. Both have pretty good spreads between what the person owes on them and what the asking price is. So okay. this one in Huntington Beach, asking price is 650. The owner has agreed to do a um, lease purchase, um, but there's only 210,000 owed. The second one, it, it's down in San Diego County Vista. Um, they're asking 685, only 120,000 owed. But both have agreed to do a lease purchase. How would you structure those? Well, number one, uh, it's great that they've agreed to do the lease purchase and, and that they would be amenable to terms. I think the question becomes, are they willing to give you the equity? And so on a surface glance, now, have you talked to any of these folks? No, just my VA has their new leads that okay. just came in in the last few days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, first question, obviously you need to call them. Uh, I always like to verify the information. Unfortunately, with all due respect, uh, we do seem to find uh, um, errors with the, within the lead sheets and uh, so I always like to call and just kind of review some of the basic information and say, you know, uh, uh, my assistant, you know, Casey had asked if you consider a lease purchase, and they, she said that's something that you would consider. Is that accurate? Uh, make sure that they, in fact, uh, have stated that. Uh, and then I would want to negotiate the, the uh, price itself. You know, seeing the lead sheets and the equity there is a beautiful thing. However, that doesn't mean the seller is willing to give it up. So um, I want to see what the lease they take for it. Then my next question would be really, um, you know, uh, would you be willing to take the uh, equity that you have uh, in the back end? 
So if we can agree on a price today and a term, um, you know, we could get you X amount of dollars uh, at the time that we agree to cash out. Is that something that you might consider? Um, what I'm finding in California has kind of got its own uh, set of criteria out there. It's its own world, as you know. But uh, it's a hot market, there's no question. And, and um, uh, the deals that we've worked with in California, um, the sellers in some cases seem to be somewhat reluctant on coming down on their pricing. However, they may be willing to take that equity that they have kind of in the back. And so uh, I would want to see, number one, uh, negotiate the terms the best you can. Uh, and then, of course, I want to know if they would consider taking it maybe in the back end. Uh, so in that case, you could have a subject to scenario. Uh, you may have a uh, scenario where uh, you can give them some upfront uh, from the deposit and maybe the balance in the back. Uh, but until you really ask what they're willing to take, uh, and if they would take the, the money in the back versus today, um, you really don't know what you're dealing with. And so um, uh, obviously you've got to call them first, feel them out, make sure that they uh, would consider that. And then, um, again, I would ask to see if we can come to a price and agree on terms. Uh, you know, uh, if I could give you the uh, payoff, you know, say in 24 months, is that something that you may consider? Uh, and in that case, obviously, um, you'll be able to keep the full deposit depending on the price and the, the monthly payment that you carve out. Uh, ideally, you'll be able to uh, have enough equity that there's room for you to stay in the middle as well. So um, does that help? Does that make sense? Totally. Okay. 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 So yeah, basically, ask, ask call them up, fill them out. Fill them out. Get, get to terms first, then find out when they're willing to take equity and go from there. Absolutely. Look, there's really three criteria that dictate whether or not we stay in the deal, no matter what type of deal it is, whether it's owner finance, sandwich subject to, there's really three criteria. Uh, you've got, of course, the uh, upfront deposit, which is a barrier to, to our entrance in some cases. Uh, if it is a too high, of, even though they may be willing to take terms, if the, ter if the upfront deposit request is too high, uh, in some cases that can be a barrier to us wanting to do the deal. Uh, now, I did a video uh, lesson for the Gold Club last week, and I had said that you know, if the terms are marketable, and it's a very general uh, phrase, and, and I like that because marketable can mean a lot of things. If, if they want, uh, you know, say, uh, you know, $25,000 down on a $650,000 home, to me that's a very marketable deposit or upfront down payment. If they wanted, you know, $250,000, uh, to me that's not really marketable. So um, depending on where they are, I'm, I'm very much inclined to suggest that you agree to the terms uh, with the understanding that you're going to take the home to the market see what the market bears and ultimately bring that back to them. And in many cases, we're finding ourselves renegotiating with the seller at the back end once we have found a buyer. And having said that, number one is the upfront deposit. Number two would be the monthly cash flow. So depending, they've got low balances on their mortgages, which means their monthly debt service should be fairly attractive. But again, will they sell it to you for what they are paying on a monthly basis, or are they looking for a higher monthly payment? If they are, that's okay. But again, is there cash flow in it for you to stay in the deal? So the upfront deposit, the monthly cash flow, and again, the back-end equity. Uh, do they want a fair market value, or are you able to negotiate them down to where there could be a little bit of a spread for you in the back-end? Uh, of those three factors, uh, ideally it's nice to have all three that are on your side, but what you're ultimately looking for is the ability to stay in the deal. Now, let's say that you call them. Yes, they'll lease purchase, but they want absolute retail dollar, uh, they have a fairly high upfront deposit request, and they've requested a fair market monthly payment. At the end of the day, 
I don't see a, an ability uh, to get in the middle of the deal in any sort of a sandwich or lease option situation. However, the beauty of the X program is that even if the terms are all retail but they will lease purchase, you still have the ability to assign that agreement out. So when all else fails, if you're able to negotiate terms, uh, even retail terms, but the upfront deposit can be flexible, uh, then you'd always have X to fall back on. So give them a call, feel them out, uh, negotiate the terms the best you can. If you find that there's an upfront deposit that is reasonable and or it's non-existent, uh, there is potential for cash flow, and of course there's equity in the back end, the three criteria that we use, then you have the ability to step in and make something happen for yourself on a sandwich uh, situation. If that is not the case, uh, you always have the ability to take it uh, in an assignment fashion where your intent would be to find them a buyer uh, that they ultimately will approve, that you'll find and qualify, uh, at which time you assign your agreement out to them. Okay, cool. Make sense? Um, totally. Can I ask a marketing question? Sure, go ahead. It's an e I think it's an easy one. In California, okay. we really struggle, particularly in San Diego County, where I'm at, I just there aren't that many FISBOs that are listed and certainly not enough to generate 15 um, leads a week. What have you guys seen as the best ways to generate FISBOs on your own in California? So that we are a little different. Yeah, and I've heard, I've heard, I'm working with some folks out of California and I know that they've experienced kind of some of those same challenges. You know, I would tell you a, a couple of things. Uh, number one, uh, we've had a lot of success in dealing, excuse me, in locating uh, uh, what we call tired landlords looking at Craigslist for rent by owner. So these are folks okay. that may or may not be over leveraged. They, they may or may not want to be a landlord, but uh, in many cases they don't know that people like us exist. And so there's actually, there's really not qualifying criteria as far as looking through the ad copy to find out whether you have a seller that may or may not consider selling. In fact, I almost think that those sellers or those landlords that are advertising uh, for the potential of a you know, rent-to-own option I almost feel that those aren't qualified candidates because they're kind of a step ahead and kind of looking at doing what we would be proposing to them. But one of the things we've done is we will uh, quite literally every night uh, we will find between five and ten leads on Craigslist for rent by owner, and we will just send those to our virtual assistant, and she'll call. And it's a very short phone call. Uh, we don't need all the details and information of the home, but it's something, you know, is it, uh, would you consider maybe selling the home if uh, on a lease uh, with the option to purchase and or a right-to-own scenario? And they may say, you know, in fact, I had this happen to me last week, and the gentleman said, well, you know, we'd like to sell, but, you know, we're kind of waiting for the market to correct itself because we bought at the peak. Well, that told me right then and there he was an over-leveraged seller, and so I kind of proceeded into my spiel from there. So I would say Craigslist for rent by owner. Uh, I would also consider, you know, the yellow letters are, are just a tried and true uh, method that works. Uh, I, I think in a market like California, expired listings to me would be a very good demographic. Um, uh, we have had success with a couple different lists. Uh, we love the mortgages that were originated between 2004 and 2007. So you select the zip code you like, price points that you like, because remember the price point uh, is going to dictate the type or size of deposit that you ultimately will garner from the buyer, uh, and of course um, um, the, the qualifying factor here with the yellow letter list would be mortgages that were originated between 04 and 07, and with the simple logic being 
those were folks that likely bought at the peak of the market and or refinanced in the peak of the market and still may owe a significant debt and, of course, may be motivated or uh, willing to sell it for what they owe. So we like the high balance mortgages. Of course, those are pr primarily going to yield you AX-type scenarios, so they will be mostly AX deals. Um, but we also like the zip codes, price points we like. Be careful not to box yourself in. In uh, Florida, we typically do a $100 to $500 price range, um, zip codes, of course, and we like free and clear and or high equity sellers. Uh, we love absentee, but when they're absentee, I've learned the hard way that the, the best absentee are the absentees that are actually out of state. So if you're going to get an absentee list, try to ideally make sure that they're out of state. Uh, and another list that, that we've had a lot of success with, and I know some of the students that I've had the pleasure and privilege of working with have had a lot of success with, have been pre-foreclosures. Uh, folks that may be two, three behind uh, in their payments, maybe a little further, um, but with the ability still to catch them up and ideally take them over subject to. So um, I would, uh, would encourage the Craigslist for rent by owner, uh, and I would definitely encourage the yellow letters. When, when you have trouble finding FISBOs, the way to get to the sellers before they get to the market or before they've, uh, in some cases, even fully considered selling is to get to them with the, other, the yellow letters, and those are some of the lists that we've had a lot of success with. Awesome. I appreciate all the time you took. I know you gave me way more than I expected, so thank you so much, Scott. I'll let you get on to somebody else. My pleasure. My pleasure. Good luck to you. Operator, who's Okay, next? thank you, sir. Sure. Our next call comes from Jenny. Jenny, please go ahead. Hi, Hi Jenny. Scott. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, my I'm calling from Las Cruces, New Mexico, and I have yep. two, two quick questions for you. Um, Earlier, you as uh, you commented that this was a challenging market right now. What exactly does that mean to you? And then uh, my second question, real quick, is uh, what kind of axe deals are you doing in the office right now? Well, when I said challenging market, I think that um, uh, I probably could expound on that in a few different ways. I think I was re referring specifically to the, the credit markets. Uh, I think the first question was in reference to a short-term subject to scenario where the seller really was uh, requesting that uh, that person get cashed out in a fairly timely period. And uh, <clears throat> I'm always apt or apprehensive, I should say, to commit to a short term uh, because, of course, it boxes you in. And the credit markets are still very challenging. We're finding it difficult uh, or challenging is probably just the applicable word uh, to get a lot of our buyers traditionally qualified from day one. And so. I think that's what I was referring to specifically with the credit markets. However, uh, with the markets overall kind of ever-changing and you have certain markets that have really taken off, others that have been somewhat uh, slower, um, uh, I think that it presents uh, some challenges. Let me give you one very quick example. Uh, uh, in Jacksonville, of course, uh, uh, it seems like every real estate investor down here is around the grand graduate, so <laughs> he's training our competition for us. But um, somebody puts their home on the market today, they literally, quite literally, will have five phone calls from a virtual assistant or just a general investor calling within the first 24 hours. What mm -hmm. that does, or what I, what I find that that does, is it gives the seller a false sense of value. It gives them this false sense, well, geez, I'm you know, pricing it here, and I've had five people call me in 24 hours. Well, hey, I, I don't need to uh, lease purchase or, or owner finance. I don't need to do anything creative. I'm going to sell it for you know, what I'm asking, maybe even more, and probably have it closed next week. Well, in reality, uh, it's because of all this interest up front, and what we have found is that our follow-up calls three, four, five weeks later have been very effective because 
those sellers have ultimately gotten themselves a little bit of dose of reality. And so challenging market is, is kind of, uh, uh, that's probably what I meant, and, and those are some kind of reasons as to why. Axe deals, i, I got to tell you, I, I'm very, very excited. I had a chance to uh, spend a little time with Ron today. We're, we're doing uh, a couple of renovation projects, and we were in the car, and I was sharing with him that, um, uh, yeah, excuse me, Thursday and Friday we put together a uh, just under a million-dollar Axe deal, uh, and then I got one accepted uh, this morning that I'd sent out Friday that was uh, just under 350000 And in Jacksonville, those are, are fairly decent-sized deals and, of course, decent-sized deposits. So um, we're up to about, oh, goodness, I'm going to say 22, 23 axe deals right now that we have on our board and, and, um, uh, and are really working on finding the buyers for them. So um, we've just got a tremendous amount of activity tremendous amount of lead flow, and I do understand that we're very fortunate in that respect because not everybody has uh, the amount of leads that we do have, but um, we're just finding that there's just a lot of folks out there that's a very viable option to. And I'll just add one more item there. I said this in my, my lesson video last week. You know, we're not finding as many over-leveraged sellers as we did, say, 6 to 12 months ago, and simultaneous to that, we're not finding as many uh, uh, desperate sellers. Now, or distressed. We have a lot of motivated sellers, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're distressed. They don't have to sell. They don't, they're not losing the home to foreclosure, but they are motivated and certainly would like to consummate a sale, uh, which is obviously is good for us because the motivation is there. But the distressed and underwater or over-leveraged don't seem to be as prevalent where we are. Um, and I guess it's probably just a change in, in sign of the times. Thank you so very much, Scott. I appreciate no it. All right, good luck to you. Operator, next question. Okay, our next question comes from Arthur. Arthur, please go ahead. Hello, Arthur. Hey, Scott, how are you? It's Arthur in, uh, from the Baltimore. A uh, quick start. Oh, okay, hey, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Good to talk to you. Thank you, likewise. Um, I have... What what I have, uh, I don't know if you have this sheet, so I'll just give it to you. What I have is a great uh, bank-owned property with a tremendous amount of spread. Okay. The uh, asking price is, is $352, and the comparables right now are $550 for that. Okay. Um, what I want to see, in case I cannot raise enough funds in order to do this, I want to see what is it do I, I need to put in there so I could be able to wholesale it if I had to? Well, and this is bank-owned? Yes. Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. Um, banks are not allowing assignments at all, uh, period. In fact, we literally almost lost our deposit on a deal about uh, two months ago because we put a clause in our agreement, and this would be what I'm going to tell you, but I'm also mm -hmm. going to tell you that it didn't work for us, and so I'm not sure it's real good advice, but... In every REO uh, offer that we submit, we have a line in the additional remarks that says, buyer reserves the right to close in a different entity. Well, they, and of course, that should give us the ability to go ahead and close in any, any entity that we uh, would choose. Of course, we're ultimately the same buyer, so it, it shouldn't make a difference, at least in our minds. But the seller had uh, read that as a, that we had the intent to assign it out, and uh, they actually nixed the agreement. 
uh, actually nullified it, went a null and void, and we had to resubmit in the entity that we were going to take title. So we have different proof of funds uh, entities. Uh, Ron has a very uh, sophisticated, um, uh, several different entities, I guess is an easy way to say it. And so depending on the um, exit strategy and, and ultimately where the funds are coming from depends on the entity we take title in. And so in this case, that was all we had said was that we reserve the right to close in another entity. Well, right. not thinking much of it because we've gotten away with it in the past. Um, this time that they, they would not let us do it. So unfortunately, um, I don't see how you'd be able to wholesale it um, uh, and or, uh, you know, even for some sort of a, of a fee. The entity that you have, you have to provide proof of funds in has to match up the entity that you're going to take title in, and you must close in that entity uh, in order for the offer to go through. So, um, you know, I would tell you, are there ways that you could assign your interest in the entity to another party for a fee? I guess the answer would be yes. Is that getting a bit complicated? Maybe I'm uh, a bit complicated, but um, does that make sense what I'm saying, by the way? It so makes absolutely sense. Okay. That would be probably the only way that I would know how you could actually wholesale it out without having to close it. But for that exact reason, that's why these REOs uh, and these REO uh, uh, banks are not allowing assignments at this point because they don't want you to go in, tie it up, uh, provide all the proper documentation and a good faith deposit as well. So it's not like you're not on the hook, but uh, they just are not allowing those assignments. And so uh, unfortunately, I don't have good advice for you there. I do think you potentially jeopardize your deposit um, uh, if you're not able to close. So I assume you don't have the private funds together at this point? Um, not enough. I, I have my stuff separate, but not to that, you know, 350000 in in one pot. Yeah, that's a big one. That's a big one. You know, look, I will tell you on a sidebar, our philosophy is, um, by the way, it sounds like a heck of a spread, and I'm sure that it's there, and, and uh, it sounds like it could be one of those, uh, you know, make your whole year type deals. Um, yeah. However, uh, our philosophy is very simple. The aggregate, so let's say you, you, you have the 350 um, and you decided that I'm going to take it and I'm going to separate it. I know Baltimore has a higher price point uh, than we are down here, but we would probably want to split that up and spread the risk around and maybe do, you know, three or four deals with the 350 as opposed to one. And the aggregate profit of the three or four deals combined in almost every case exceeds the, ag the profit on the one deal. And so you're spreading your risk around. Uh, and you have uh, obviously multiple shots there and, and multiple uh, profits that will come in. So I don't want to discourage you because there's a gentleman down there. I forget his name. I know Ron speaks about him very much, and uh, he does these deals, and, you know, he's bringing in literally six-figure checks every time he pops one of these. And so, you know, it's a beautiful market, and, and I wish our market was <laughs> like that as well. But, um, you know, I would tell you, I guess, one final thing. Uh, I've, I've been doing this quite a long time, and my dad told me this a long time ago, and, and Ron has, has certainly, certainly seconded it, that if you've got a smoking deal, uh, you're going to find the money. And uh, I know that puts you out on a limb, and you're going to put your deposit up in the whole nine yards, but, um, you know, I would tell you that the deal sounds sweet, and, um, you know, uh, I, I don't want to give you bad advice, of course, but, you know, if, if, uh, if the numbers are that good, and I'm sure that they are, otherwise you wouldn't be saying that, you know, my advice would be to, to, to get it under contract, try to get as much time as you can to close, you know, and, uh, and really go to work trying to find money. Uh, it's out there. There's no question. But um, as far as assigning and wholesaling it out, I just don't see how you can do it with the REO. Okay. I appreciate that. No problem. Uh, any other questions you have, Arthur? Um. 
I, I've got I've got a lease option, but as, as I listen to your explanation to the guy in California, I think you kind of answered my questions already. Okay. All right. Well, I wish you the best of luck. I hope you get that uh, that big deal together. That that uh, I certainly would make your uh, make your week, huh? It would be a good week. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good luck to you, Arthur. Thank you. All right. Operator, you got anybody else? This time we have no more questions. I'm sorry, who? This time we have no more questions. Okay. All right. All right, guys. Well, uh, listen, uh, I apologize for, for being a little tardy on the phone call. I sure appreciate you all listening in. And um, uh, listen, we do get the questions that are emailed in. Uh, we do get questions that are called in. So uh, it's certainly our pleasure and our privilege to be able to answer those. So if you have any questions in the future, any uh, uh, things that we can be of assistance with, uh, be sure to get it in there. Uh, make sure it gets to my attention or Ron's, and uh, we'll be, uh, be sure to get back to you as quickly as we possibly can. So, all right, well, if, that, if there's no additional questions, uh, I guess we'll go ahead and, uh, and wrap this up. I really had one deal I was hoping to share with you guys, uh, um, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll catch that here maybe on the next phone call. So, all right. Uh, well, having said that, guys, Best luck in everything you're doing, and um, I hope our paths get to cross again real soon. Thank you very much, and good night.